The Regenerative Hour. Welcome to the 30th episode of the Sustainable Hours Child, you could call it the Regenerative Hour, where we look at how we can turn this decade into a more regenerative decade. This is a series of interviews where we give ourselves time to talk about deep adaptation, ecology, passion for nature and topics like resilience, revitalization, restoration and, dare I say, revolution. Today in the Regenerative Hour, we talk with the author of a new book called The Food Solution, written by Dr. Gundula Rhodes, or as we do here in Australia, where names always are shortened, Gundi Rhodes. I'm a veterinarian in rural Australia, in the northern part of New South Wales. And I've lived also for over 20 years here, not anymore, you know, I might say, but I lived for over 20 years on a cattle property. Um, and I, you can hear by my accent that I'm actually originally from, from Germany and I came here in 1997, 98, got married onto, you know, a property and I already was a vet and had been for a few years working, uh, in England, learning the ropes and came over to this country, um, as a European learning everything. I knew nothing about cattle farming in Australia knew nothing about soil. I was just a completely normal veterinarian uh, dealing with the cases as they come into my clinic, you know, dealing with whatever we deal with, you know, itchy dogs, uh, go out to do a carving, treat a horse, stitch them up, um, find the lameness, spay a dog, castrate a cat, you know, that sort of thing, normal veterinarian life. One thing, though, that I've always done from when I was 20 is that I was very interested in nutrition. And that happened because my mother, first my first year of uni, and she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And thank goodness she's fine. She's in her mid-80s, still ballroom dancing. She can recite 250 poems, mid-80s, you know, so no signs of any sort of slowdown in um, in her mind which is part of this whole story, right? So she then looked at nutrition way back 37 years ago, this is, you know, when I was 20. So in the 80, 1985, and when we remember when Roundup came on the market in Australia, it was 1991. So my youth was before Roundup, knew nothing about pesticides. But when she looked into why did I get breast cancer, she found food and the breakdown of food then already, which is not surprising, you know, but and and chemical agriculture would have happened then already, but I lived in a city, I knew nothing about that anyway, but the breakdown of whole foods. So how we what we do to flour and the grain that we, you know, um, in the processing, we just chuck all the goodness away. So a German doctor called Dr. Brucker was at the forefront. He was in with Dr. Weston Price, you know, which a lot of people would know, you know, a dentist that did um, indigenous people research about their health and their jawline and and did rat and mice and cat tests, you know, what happens if we degrade the food, process it, you know, get rid of the the germ in the wheat, for example. So that was my foundation, you know, that I looked when I was in the start of my university, I already looked at food. Then I did my normal years of study of, you know, first seven years as a veterinarian, came over here onto this cattle property and worked for a local clinic, um, had one, two kids, opened my own clinic, started to run the farm eventually by myself, 
that I then became a cattle farmer. And, you know, I've been a veterinarian, so it wasn't, wasn't alien to me. It's been in my blood, I think, through my ancestry, you know, like we were all farmers one, once anyway. And so I developed an interest in cattle, Angus, you know, black Angus cattle. So I learned about that, you know, about the genetic side of things. Then we discovered the grasses, learned about the grasses. And thought it's all about growing grass, you know, to get good cattle. Converted because I was really concerned then already about the environment. In Europe, it was a thing, you know, like I grew up with acid rain and catalysator techniques for cars before we knew that CO2 was actually the culprit. Yeah, it's just CO2 that we are puffing out into the air, you know, it doesn't really matter. So I converted my farm into organic. Um, more by default because I didn't have any money to do anything with it anyway. Before I took over the farm, my biggest superphosphate check that I signed was $75,000, you know, for like a $3,000, 3,000 acre property. So I knew a bit about what, what happened. And so I took over this property, ran it badly um, because of time restraints. I had three young kids and no finances and was running a vet clinic that I was building up. And when I converted it to organic, even though I didn't do a very good job on it, um, I still learned about the soil. And then it started ticking, you know, in my brain. And what does it have to do? And to cut a long story now short is when I discovered the soil and eventually I discovered chemicals, agrochemicals and what they did, then with my medical mind, those two joined each other, you know, and then suddenly... I started to look at disease, chronic disease, in a very, very different manner. Um, then it suddenly made click, click, click. And now, you know, while the picture has become very clear to me, I would put that statement out there that the degradation of the soil by what we do with it, plowing, superphosphating, NPK fertilizers, and then the agrochemicals like the herbicides, pesticides, you know, pesticides, herbicides, insecticides, fungicides, how that does destroy the microbiome of the soil, how important that is, how that reflects, you know, in the plant, in the livestock, and then in us. And that is huge. So what you're talking about is not just anymore, just the animals, but also us, the human beings. Oh, 100%. And I'm talking uh, really pets, you know, like Pet planet people is such a nice triple P. <laughs> you know, it's not just the pets, it's ruminants, of course, and horses and all the other animals. Um, but it's far more far reaching, far more reaching than that. It's actually it's climate, it's ecosystem destruction, it's the destroys destruction of our human society. So let me just explain this in as simple a term as I can. Yeah. So Nature has made it this way, that we have soil, and in the soil are so many microbes that, just like in our gut microbiome or an animal's microbiome, we haven't really known about that. We completely disregarded that until maybe 10 years ago. The first research that I read about gut microbiome was in 2011, 2012. And we as veterinarians, we have learned about microbes in animals for a long time you know in the cow the rumen in any ruminant you know like so the any ruminant and you can put the the rabbits in there you can put antelopes and deer and even the koala 
they are all working with microbes that are digesting the cellulose, the fiber, you know, the, the herbs, the grasses for us because we can't do that. So we've, and the horses do it too. Um, and it's a well-known fact for us veterinarians, you give any of those ruminants or herbivores antibiotics, they will starve to death and they will die. So we knew this. So when I started to learn about the microbiome in people, it just, yeah, of course, you know, like, of course, we're not sterile. I've said this for years. We've got bacteria on us, in our eyes, in our mucous membranes, our skin, in our breasts, um, which protect us from breast cancer. You know, in nearly every organ of our body, do we have bacteria? And in the soil, we completely disregarded the bacteria too. And when I talk about microbiome in the soil, you know, as we know, it's bacteria, fungi, arthropods, protozoa, and then, you know, like the nematodes and the earthworms and the little spiders. And, you know, all of that is a microbiome of the soil, which Elaine Ingham, you know, soil scientist called the soil food web. Because in the early 1900s, Mr. Liebig discovered that for the soil, we need different minerals and a different um, um, quantity. He put this, you know, and most people that learn biology at school, you know, they, do you remember this, this tub, you know, with wooden sticks? And then, you know, like that picture is in my mind, you know, like, and let's and every wooden panel is a mineral. And then if you have one down, like let's, let's say magnesium is down, the water flows out. So with other words, we need all the minerals. And so it was very mini, uh, minimalistic, you know, like mineral-based agriculture that we had really until recently. You know, in the last two or three years, maybe five, we have discovered the microbiome of the soil. But before that, we didn't know. So I think a lot of the destruction in agricultural land has happened out of ignorance. Um, I don't think anybody... And this is this is very important, you know, that the destruction of our planet, yes, there is greed. And yes, there is everything is about money and everything is about capitalism and our economy just runs on one way of making profit and nothing else. That is behind it. Yet, I like to believe that nobody gets out of bed in the morning to really destroy a planet. You know, let's destroy all the agricultural land. You know, I think it just happened we were what science and science is always just trying to catch up what is already. Yeah. We always think, Oh, we've discovered this. No, you haven't. We are you, you have now finally understood it. What actually has been happening in nature for the last 3 billion years since life existed. Yeah. So we didn't know. And science in the last hundred years has been so fast in its development you know, we 100 years ago, 1904, we discovered the microbiome, uh, we discovered bacteria, Pasteur and Fierchoff. And then, you know, like in the 1940s, 50s, we discovered antibiotics and the DNA, when was that? In the 1970s, you know, 1980s. So science has just done this exponential curve of, of knowledge. And we have with our little brains, amazing brains, but still limited, We've had the kidney here and the, you know, the brain there and the eyes there, liver, kidneys, heart. But we haven't actually had time, I think, you know, to put it back together, you know, in all its holistic form. 
And then the same with the soil and with agriculture. You know, we thought in our minimalistic thinking, we can pour a bit of nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, NPK fertilizer on, then we kill it all with Roundup, then we put a bit of urea on, and then we can make things grow. Completely disregarding the complexity because our brains just didn't really get it. Yeah. So now that we do get it back together, and I think this is a gift that I've been given to, to share. I've just been given this knowledge about medicine on one hand, and then, you know, through sheer fate, uh, karma, whatever, I ended up on this property that then through more karma, me as a German city woman had to learn how to run and how to make sense of and how to how to understand this system, you know. So when you are not born on the land, you've got a certain emotional and, and um, brain freedom, you know, to think about things. So when it all came together, then that the microbiome in the soil is very important. I listened to somebody that explained glyphosate and I had never got my head around Roundup. You know, Roundup is the commercial name for glyphosate. And um, when I heard that it is the killer of the shikimate pathway, then I had to look up what is the shikimate pathway. It's a pathway that we don't have. Hence the illusion that we can, oh, you could, it's so harmless. You can drink this stuff. We don't have the shikimate pathway. Bacteria do, plants do, algae do, fungi do, but we as humans and mammals don't. So it's completely non-poisonous. So everybody started pouring out Roundup and as a herbicide before they're planting. And just to explain that to, to the normal listener that's not on the land, when you drive around the district, next time you go for a drive, from A to B, and you are on farming land, look around you and you will see paddocks, either green, lush with some cattle on it or some sheep. And they are looking relatively healthy. And then you've got the cropping country where crops are grown, wheat, sorghum, soy, canola, cotton, um, sunflowers, and so forth. And you will notice that at certain times a year, for months, sometimes on end, they are fallow. So they are plowed. There are, there's nothing else growing that you probably can see that there's brown remnants of herbs or weeds or grasses sitting in there. So they would have been sprayed with Roundup. Yeah. And it is, so it's a common practice. And another uh, herbicide, as we call them, you know, wheat killers, there's lots on the market. Glyphosate is the mostly used one. And the second mostly used one is 2,4-D, which is actually Agent Orange, which the older people of us will remember as a defoliant for Vietnam. And you might also know the pictures of the people and the birth defects that the people in Vietnam got. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's horrendous when you watch TV programs, you know, about Agent Orange and it's multi-generational, um, causing of disease, you know, like people on crutches, people are blind, cancers everywhere, you know. So these are very commonly used herbicides. When you go into Bunnings and you buy a weedicide for your grass, dicamba, look on the label, it's probably got 2,4-D on it, you know, so you're spraying Agent Orange, which is not very healthy. So this is how we farm. And then what happens? The um, farmer puts a crop in, the crop comes up, and then, you know, a fungal attack comes. So there come the fungicides, insect, you know, because the plants are very weak, an insect attack comes, then come the insecticides. And quite often the crops here, you know, talking to farmers, you know, like they spread 
sprays five, 10, or even 20 times a season, you know, with, with sprays. So you have to uh, assume that every time, you know, every paddock you see will have been sprayed out. So after a rain event, the chemicals will go down into the rivers. When you look, if you bother to get out of your car and go into this paddock and have a look, you will uh, find that it's quite often rock hard. After a rain event, the water will just sit on top because it can't penetrate anymore. So this is the lack of topsoil and the lack of microbiome. So what glyphosate Roundup sprayed everywhere on every cropping country in Australia, America, and, and a lot of places in the world, it has got three different really detrimental functions. A, it's a herbicide, we know that, but B, it's also an antibiotic. It's been classed as an antibiotic since 2001 because it kills the shikimate pathway. So therefore, you know, the microbiome in the soil is dead after application of Roundup. Yeah, so the fungi go and the bacteria go and with that goes your organic matter, which is what makes soil into humus. So it makes it black and crumbly and and can absorb water and keep the water for the next, you know, the next sunny day. It protects the soil. So the microbiome is dead. That's where the hardness of the soil comes from. That's why the water sits on top and doesn't go in. So the soil is dead. So then what happens is that the plants that the farmer wants to grow are trying to grow, but they're lacking in nutrients. So that's the number two that Roundup is absolutely detrimental. Number two is that it's a chelator with a C-H-E-L-A-T-O-R. It's a chemical term. Kilon or kil comes from Greek word of hooking. So it hooks itself onto the minerals in the soil, and especially the ones that have got a plus behind them. So magnesium plus copper plus selenium plus iron plus um, molybdenum, boron, you know, calcium, all of these things that we need for good plant growth, but we also need them when we want to eat that plant. Yeah, then we hopefully want to have those nutrients in there. Now, the bacteria would also make these minerals available for the plant. So you've got a double whammy. You've got the the bacteria are locked in the ground, chelated by Roundup, which doesn't let them go, which doesn't let them go into the plant. So therefore, the plant doesn't have it, the animal doesn't have it, and us don't have it. That's why one reason why food is not the same anymore. This is why we we say, you know, like food hasn't got in it any anything in it anymore, right? And the other thing is the microbes would have made these minerals available for the plant. Very fascinating story, but they are dead, so they can't do it. The fungi that would have elongated the roots for another kilometer sometimes, and then as a nutrient highway, sort of zip the nutrients to the plant, they are killed by Roundup as well. So the farmer really has shot himself in the foot. Now, when we go into nitrogen, yeah, every farmer wants nitrogen. So that is the N part of the NPK. That's the nitrogen. And as you might know, in the air, we have got 70% nitrogen. There's a heap of nitrogen in the air, 20% or so oxygen, 70% nitrogen. But in a triple binding, triply bound, you know, like one N triple, that's a, that's a little, it's like a macadamia nut. You can't crack it, you know, until you have real force. So what is that real force that cracks that nitrogen? 
actually, we need a lot of energy or a very smart thing to do that. Why do we have to crack it? What do we need nitrogen for? I don't know how good the listeners are with biochemistry. You know, nobody is normally good at biochemistry. So in very simple terms, carbohydrates are just carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen, nothing else, just in different forms. Fats are the same, carbon, hydrogen, oxygen. And proteins have got nitrogen in them. So that's where we need nitrogen. So we got to get it from the air somehow into the plant then into the animal and then into us, because as you know, we all need proteins, right? So we need to get that 70% of nitrogen out of the air into the ground. So in nature, a lightning strike will do that. It'll crack that triple binding. After, when you go outside next time, you know, after a lightning strike, go outside and have a look at your grass and you will find that it is in a very short time, half an hour, an hour, two hours, it's darker, it's greener. And that is the nitrogen, you know, fixed by the lightning strike. So the only other thing on the planet that can crack that are the nitrogen-fixing bacteria. And they, again, are bacteria in the soil. And they've got an enzyme in there that's called a nitro nitrogenase. And bang, that can take that, make it into single nitrogen, and then build it into proteins for us. You know, so it's pretty magic. So when we spray Roundup, we kill the bacteria that make the minerals available. We kill the bacteria that um, that can split the nitrogen, and we've shot ourselves as a farmer pretty much in in the foot, you know. So that's um, the third thing that the bacteria do, which is absolutely important. So I really want you to listen now because this is just like really important. So when I went into, I wrote a book, you know, called The Food Solution. If anybody's interested, so when I did my research for this book, and I was sitting on my computer for hours went down rabbit holes and tried to find out where are the nutrients made. And it turns out that all the B vitamins, B1, B2, B3, B6, B12, you know, they are important for all metabolic functions in your body. The only place, the only life form on earth that makes them are the bacteria. So they are little fermentation engines in the soil. So again, when they are alive, they make the B vitamins and then they can go into the plant and into us. And for example, we are running as people on one milligram of B1, vitamin B1 a day, a nutrient intake, but we should have at least five. So, and I can tell you stories what happens acutely when cattle or sheep, or I saw a little chucky chicken the other day with vitamin B1 or also called thiamine deficiency. You know, the brain liquid becomes liquid and, you know, the little chookie was blind, couldn't find its food anymore. They go stargazing, you know, cattle and sheep go stargazing and they will die very quickly. You know, so we are running. This is only one vitamin of many and one nutrient of many, but it's a really good, you know, um, example of what actually happens. Not only do the bacteria make the vitamins, they also make alkaloids, which I won't go into now. You know, they've got immense function in the body. Uh, polyphenols, the same thing, you know, blood pressure, anti-cancer, anti-parasite, and so forth. But they also make the essential amino acids. They are the building blocks of protein. Yeah. And, and tryptophan is the most famous one of them because tryptophan is a precursor of serotonin, which is our happy drug, precursor of uh, melatonin, which makes you sleep, and the precursor of IPA, which is your, you know, protection against Alzheimer. So, and the pathway that it's made by is the shikimate pathway, which Roundup kills. 
Yeah. So this is how the story of nutrient deficient food that then makes a very nutrient deficient population. Yeah. Animals, people, plants alike. Yeah. And on top of that, the organic matter in the soil is the biggest and really the only available carbon storage we have to get the CO2 out of you know, the air back into it. Because the oceans are chock-a-block full of carbon. You know, they are becoming acidic. They have dissolved so much carbon dioxide and the oceans will spit it out. You know, if we remove it from the atmosphere, it'll just um, the chemical balance, you know, will push the CO2 back in. So the only, let's assume that now we agree that climate change is true. You know, climate change is not the only way we destroy the planet, you know, but it's a major one. And that CO2 has to come out again out of the atmosphere. And the only place where it can go and easily, you know, is into the soil. And that process is called photosynthesis, happens every time the sun is shining. So not 24-7, but 12-7, you know, because it doesn't happen at night, only during the day where everything is green and pumps the carbon from the air back into the soil, you know. So this is why it's so important. I call it PET pets, people, and planet, because, you know, that is, you will have, there will not be health, you know, with, with, you know, chemical agriculture for all of these different reasons. And there will not be planetary health. And the chemicals flow down into the rivers, into the oceans, you know, and are very, very, very detrimental there too. So we're being told, and, and the farmers are being told that the only way we can feed 8 billion people on this planet is because of all these, you know, wonders from all these chemicals and things we can put out on the fields. And you're telling us the complete opposite story. How does that story now come out? Um, how does it come out? I think we just have to re-educate people, you know, and at the moment you could nearly go into despair because uh, I'm part of the medical profession, but I'm a veterinarian. So I'm coming from a different angle. And I'm not as um, restrained by what I can say. You know, the, the, the doctors are very much one line. We call it the agrochemical pharmaceutical complex now. Those two industries are the biggest industries in the world. You know, there is huge money interest against the message that we want to say. Yeah. Do the universities teach it yet? No. You know, Southern Coast University in, in Lismore with uh, the wonderful Lorraine Gordon, you know, she started to teach re regenerative agriculture. Do, do the medical people, you know, the medical profession, do they teach food? Not yet. Yeah, the universities don't. Is my own profession aware of the destruction of glyphosate and what it actually does cause, you know, and we have not got into and I will have to do this, you know, about the chemical, about the, um, the the problem in people and in pets, what glyphosate does in us, you know, and I'll, I'll need five minutes to talk to you about that. I can't stop before I have told you that. So we have to just really re-educate, you know, like, and it's coming, you know, like 10 years ago, nobody talked about microbiome. Suddenly, you know, in my book, I've got a whole chapter of mental health. It came out two, two years ago, you know, my research probably in the last four years, you know, I've got a whole chapter there, mental health and gut and microbiome. And now I'm listening to the first, you know, webinars about, hey, you know, like there's actually the microbiome in our gut is the one that takes that amino acid tryptophan that is made by the bacteria in the soil that then you're eating, but it needs bacteria again to make it into serotonin. It needs bacteria to make that same ingredient into the hormone that makes you sleep. 
Mm. Yeah, it needs bacteria, different bacteria again to and so forth. You know, so the the um, the connections of the brain gut axis are huge, and we are just discovering them now. You know, mm. I, I remember during COVID how everyone was talking about our immune defense system and yeah. how you know the COVID bacteria the COVID virus would be attacking our immune system and all that. And I really was wondering why is no one, certainly not in the media, talking about how we improve our immune defense system, you know, from scratch, not yeah. just by by getting an injection with some uh, more of virus, but but actually by looking into like you're talking about vitamins, the, the different bacterias that are, you know, making our bodies strong. Yeah, once you understand the power of the pharmaceutical industry, um, then I think you are, you know, like follow the money and you will know why there is no much research done. You know, like my my simple answer, by the way, to all of these problems is simply next time you go shopping and you're standing in front of those eggs, you know, like either the organic ones or the non-organic ones, choose the organic ones. You know, there is a tsunami of change behind that one egg or call it the sugar, or call it the flour, you know, like whatever organic food you buy will have been, organic is not perfect, but it's at the moment, you know, unless you you get it from your grandmother out of your own garden, you know how that was grown, or from a local farmer that is spray-free and, and works with compost or with bacteria, you know, and has got good soil. In the shop, as a label, that's all we have, you know, like we don't have anything else to go by, you know, but Every time you buy that organic egg, you give that, um, you give Woolworths or Coles or whoever you buy, you know, you give them, I I care. I care about my health. And people mostly buy organic because they care about their own health. But my message also will be, you buy organic, the tsunami avalanche behind you that that you didn't use, you know, you bought a product that didn't use Roundup, it didn't use 2,4-D, it didn't use nitrogen and phosphorus fertilizer, which also killed the microbiome and puff more, you know, CO2 in the air. You know, the biggest culprit of climate change in agriculture is actually not the methane from the cattle. Yeah, we could, can talk about that another time. It's not the methane from the cattle. It's actually the emissions from dead soil. You know, and cattle, for another podcast, are the one life form as a as a modern sort of macropod that can pump that carbon quickly within two years or one or two years, you know, back into the ground, you know. But that's a different story, you know, that probably would blow everybody's mind right now, you know. So, but um, that's where, you know, you buy an organic product, you know, and you're healing Mother Earth with with that so yes you know is there an incentive to tell people to buy organic food no organic farms are small there's no big agrochemical industry you know the agrochemical industry in um i heard a statistic you know and don't quote me on it it you know i got this from some somebody else's talk there was 135 trillion i think billion the big difference but let's say 135 <laughs> as a unit um, in agricultural turnover in the US, and 132 of that went to Monsanto, Bayer, Dow, Syngenta, you know, to the these companies that have got the agrochemicals and sell them. That is huge money. It's bigger than any other industry on the planet, only surpassed by the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. So this is why we call it the agrochemical pharmaceutical complex. You know, the money behind this system that is there 
is huge, you know, and there is no incentive to change. And and also I think, you know, rather than blaming the farmers, you know, like and and I I am one of them, although I sold my farm, had to, you know, like, but we are all in this. We all want to eat. And we cannot just let the poor farmers that got misinformed, misguided, every time they get an agronomist out, they get just told they have to put more urea on, which will kill more of your microbiome. Um, more Roundup, more sprays, you know, so, but they really do not know yet. A lot of them, you know, don't know yet how to do it differently. There is a desire. I know there's a desire. There's so much to catch up on, you know, like it still works, this system. You know, the inputs are huge and the margins are little, but it still gives them a crop at the end of the day. Yeah. To get farmers of, of this sort of addiction of chemicals, we need to educate, you know, like we need to show them not just that there is a microbiome, which will then grow crops with abundance. Yeah. So much has to change, you know, like we have to teach how to do it differently, you know, and a lot of that will be around the microbiome. If it is EM, you know, which is a bacterial mixture or stuff called digest or rumen and it's all bacteria and maybe seaweed fertilizer, you know, to, to remineralize um, cattle in landscapes are wonderful, you know, all of those things to re, you know, to, to reverse this damage that we've done and regenerate that. And with regenerating of soil comes regeneration of health of people and it comes regeneration of rivers and ecosystems. Organic farms are normally local and, and you know, so local economy is a huge thing, you know, about getting us back to local and not in this globalized puffed up um, you know, shareholder centered, um, business, you know, like, and, and shareholder only have got one aim at the end of it, which, which is to make profit. You know, it's very s little slither of our human and nature existence on planet earth, you know, so a lot of changing. So the takeaway message that I hear from you, Gundi, and probably also in the book you're coming out with now is that we can do this. A hundred percent. 100%. We just have to do it. Yeah. And is our consciousness ready for that? You know, are we aware enough yet? Not yet, but it's coming, you know, and what else are we going to do? Either we go home and go to bed and give up. And then uh, I am convinced that society just from chemical agriculture alone, we will not, we will not have a good life. You know, like climate change is going to destroy you know, the, the extremes of temperature, you know, like we have got a little slither of Goldilocks, you know, growth of plants, growing of food happens between 15 degrees and 37 or 38. Not much, you know, on planetary health, you know, so a little increase to make it too hot over fever temperature of 42 degrees. Bingo, cactus, done. Yeah. You know, I've seen a lot of overheated animals when their body temperature is over 42 degrees which every parent know, oh my God, that's a fever that's dangerous. Biological systems in the body, blood clotting, cell membranes, you know, will all um, get destroyed and you will die. Death follows, you know, cerebral edema, you know, you're dead within a few minutes or hours, you know, when you overheat and planet Earth. So that, that's a real limit that we have, you know, we cannot under, you know, when, when it's 45 degrees and the soil is 65 degrees, you know, life actually ceases to exist, you know. But on another level, when you look at what glyphosate does in the body, so um, glyphosate in our bodies with every, you have to be aware, every non-organic food you eat, 
will be especially anything to do with wheat and, um, and grains will be soaked in Roundup because a lot of farmers harvest now with Roundup. So it's very, it's in your flour. It's, it's, um, it's unavoidable. It's in 99% of people you have Roundup all through your body. Yeah. So it goes into your gut, kills the bacteria in your gut. There goes your microbiome. With that goes your mental health and your physical health and your short-chain fatty acids and so many things, you know, autism. It rips open the junctions, the tight junctions between the gut cells, creating leaky gut. Look it up, you know, go into Google Images and punch in leaky gut and you'll have really good pictures, you know, of how that works and how that then creates inflammation in your body. And that inflammation in your body can be as thyroid dysfunction, as allergies, as asthma. Yeah, when you look at how many kids have got asthma, you know, the rise of autoimmune diseases, young women with thyroid problems, it's a hormone disruptor. There is a wave of endometriosis, which is also classed as an autoimmune disease. Autoimmune means the body is fighting against itself because it is so inflamed and so angry that it is hyper in hyperdrive and starts to attack its own tissues. Um, cancer, anyway, you know, the Alzheimer's epidemic that we have, you know, where the trajectory is that nearly every older woman will suffer from Alzheimer's, which will make society nearly impossible because who's going to look after them? And then the wave of autism, which in my town, the teachers and the kindergarten um, workers that I talk to, you know, it is a wave of autism and behavioral problems of these poor children that are born with it. And um, so probably in our town, one in 10, well, it used to be one in 5,000. Hardly known, you know, and now everybody has got autistic children in their in their vicinity. One in two, cancer. You know, and it's not that we diagnose better. It's just a wave of disease. So if I just think of that alone, who's going to pay taxes? Who's going to look after the sick people? Who's actually running on a really good energy with good mental health and good body health? It's not many. You know, the, the medical system is completely overwhelmed. You know, and, and nobody, for me, the root cause of disease is the destruction of the soil. And my proof, three billion years of evolution. Yeah. Compared to 50 years of agriculture, yeah, or, okay, we have agriculture, you know, for 4,000 or 10,000 years when we started plowing, which is funny, you know, like when I was young and I was very idealistic, you know, like, and we had in Germany, we had this uh, swords, you know, makes the peace movement, makes swords into plows. In a way, the plow and what it has done was ever more destructive than the sword has ever been, which is really just a funny little this quirky thing, you know, like, oh my God, you know, the plow with disruption of the soil, you know, like exposing it to the air, drying it out, killing the microbes, you know, killing the fungi, fungal hyphae and so forth, you know, so the plow has got a lot to answer for, you know, but we, the, um, the evolution of how we animals, plants, you know, um, us humans have developed in, um, in evolution is we and our our food were one, you know, there was no distinction. And now suddenly we have altered it beyond recognition. And everybody just thinks we're just talking about sugar. We're talking about too much wheat and too much cake and maybe the wrong fats. But even if you go and buy broccoli 
and you know um and healthy so-called healthy food it's got nothing in it and then remember what i started with you know that we destroyed the soil where all the nutrients are coming from yeah and then you go and buy a supplement where a company in china probably or india has made your b vitamins because you don't get them anymore or you have to take zinc now you know to push up your immune system because it's not absorbed from the soil anymore it's not in your normal food anymore which we always had you know yeah so yeah we are we are on the road to extincting us really beautifully which then is if one in four women i think it's probably more now one in three men is infertile yeah you know maybe we are self regulating us but should we do we have a place on planet earth or not this is what it often came down for for me shall we actually fight for us so that's a question that i leave you with you know should we be there gundy surely the regenerative regenerative agricultural farmers are going a long way to reversing that and they're the educated ones who are doing something really about the soil yes 100% and and regenerative agriculture you know like i uh, my social circle is full of people in regenerative agriculture there are the most beautiful people the most well meaning people and it's uh, it's again a tsunami of positive change and um and that is heartwarming and that makes that gives me hope you know that this all of this what i'm talking about is not my invention you know it's from all the regenerative farmers you know that i that i talk to and what i learned you know like so many beautiful people and with cattle it is relatively easy you know to do you know with livestock it's it's and cattle are the center of regenerating soil you know rotational grazing Alan Savory's work, you know, it works really well. You know, I think the cropping farmers have got a much much tougher job in changing because it's just much harder to grow grains and and uh, and vegetables, you know, that way in a biological manner. Yeah. Yeah, they're the heroes, the heroes of this planet, you know, and and from what all I know apart from stopping fossil fuels you know like to regenerate planet earth we have to stop chemical agriculture it's very much underrated you know in its impact um so i i would like to see a wave of actually and and let's not wait for the next 20 or 30 years to prove that roundup is really bad you know it's enough proof you know there's a brilliant book by stephanie senef about glyphosate it's called toxic legacy you know she's got about 40 or 50 pages in the end in the back of the book you know of scientific research you know it's been proven it's just what we call the knowing doing gap you know we know but we now now we have to do you know time is up you know we just have to do this now we don't have any time you know all the climate but we we know this and and nobody that I ever talked to wants to see this planet die it's the most beautiful planet in the universe you know like why would we not protect it now that we know but what i really want to say to everybody buy that food from these regenerative farmers support them and i would like to see government supporting them because they need help you know we cannot if planet earth I'm convinced planet earth depends on getting that carbon back down again we have to heal oceans and rivers by stopping chemical agriculture 50% of the planet is agriculture of the landmass that is food produced for you and me yeah that's where the power comes in because that's us so every time you go shopping anybody go shopping there is you you can either destroy and you are destroying planet earth by buying non organic food it's not just your health and i could talk about 
your health for another 10 hours, right? How it gets destroyed. You are destroying your health, but you're also destroying the planet, you know? So if you're sort of halfway sitting on the fence, oh my God, it's expensive, which it is, you know, then that might give you that little push to, yeah. But if I don't, yeah, if I don't stop smoking now, I'll actually be dead. That is what I can do. I can make that choice, you know, buy from Regenerative Farm. And, and Rusty, you know, absolutely, 100%, you know, the Regenerative Farmers are the heroes. But, you know, who, who knows a Regenerative Farmer? You know, like you don't have that label yet. You know, we are working on it. I, I think that is, a, that is a start of this conversation, you know, to understand how this is all connected, you know, like and we as consumers have the ultimate choice, you know, who we buy from. So local, 100%. Organic regenerative as much as you can, you know, and and um, that is my only hope because when I am thinking on this level of the agrochemical industry and the pharmaceutical industry, that is the system that we live in now, you know, and the banks and everything. It seems so big, you know, that you you can't you can't fight it. Yeah, don't fight it. Just walk around it. If nobody buys the stuff. You know, if if we just all buy organic food, might be a pipe dream of mine. You know, but if we do that, if we really give this just really clear message, after all, they're producing food for you. If you don't want that food anymore, if if everybody would stop eating chocolate, chocolate wouldn't be produced. You know, and the, you know, the consumer has got the ultimate: be aware, think before you buy. You know, and then buy that product that has got the biggest impact. You know, and and food is massive. Fifty percent of the planet we can change into from detrimental to ecosystems, bees, butterflies, insects, the birds that eat them, the fish down in the river, the coral reefs. All of that destroyed by chemical agriculture. Or you're going to buy food from regenerative farmers that regenerate the soil and the insects and the bird life. And the water that runs off those properties is clear. That's the impact that you have. Nobody else is, the food is produced for you, you know? So that's what I want to tell everybody. Let's jump all on together, you know, power to the people in a way. Like, can't do this alone. It now takes me half an hour extra time when I'm in the shops because I've got to stop and read everything. (laughs) I don't know where the farm. Well, the farmers' markets might only be once a month or something or other. And I have to use the supermarkets. So yeah. you're walking around and it's quite difficult. Yeah. And there is hardly anybody at all in Australia that would eat normal, healthy food. You know, like 99.999% of the population eat rubbish. You go to the supermarket, you look in people's shops, you know, and then the, the sad thing is, even if you do have only tomatoes and broccoli in there, they're poisoned. The apples are poisoned. It's inside them. You know, like the poison, you can't even wash it off. Yeah, like you go, what, what can I eat without poisoning me or my children? It's really, really hard. Nature, it, it's not just about healthy as um, esoteric. Yeah, I've got to eat healthy because I have to eat healthy. You know, like it actually tastes good. And the taste has got a reason because evolution had made it that way. You know, that it is good for us. 
fruit that is ripe has got the sugars in it, which makes it sweet, you know, like the polyphenols, they all have got pharmaceutical, you know, like real substances in your body that all make you healthy and help you on, on all wondrous ways, you know, so so much to that, a really red ripe tomato, a really ripe peach, you know, it's got so much goodness in it that we have got even no idea about. And, and and we haven't talked about energy, you know, the energy, the life force, you know, it's that again, it's not just chemicals all added up of a few minutes, you know, life force, energy, you know, like of going into life with joy and energy that comes as a she from somewhere, you know, like making you alive and vibrant. Yeah, like how many people do you still see that are alive and vibrant on that, you know, because we are so broken down and there goes the joy, you know, so the the regeneration into real food and into real health has got so much joy and positivity and and that's what life is about. You know, that's what energy is. And and then you've got energy to dance and to laugh and to go for another bike ride or play with your kids, you know, like that energy is so lost. So many young people are depressed. They don't have life force anymore. And this is, I think, where it's where it's went. It went with the soil. That's what it boils down to. Gundi, just one final word to wrap this all up. You have to trust nature. Dr. Gundi Rhodes book The Food Solution Eating for Today to Save Tomorrow is available on several online sites including Amazon at $24 and just $11 if you buy it as an electronic Kindle book By making just one lifestyle change you can reclaim your health and at the same time be a part of the project of saving life on planet Earth. Rounding off this regenerative hour, here's first Suck Bush talking about the way out and about nature and separation from nature. Then a three-year-old YouTube clip called Inhabit, a permaculture perspective. And a clip from Planet Local called Acquired. Revolution. We are stepping ever nearer to this extinction cliff by this schism of belief that we are somehow separate from nature. And if you look up the definition of nature, it actually defines it in Oxford's dictionary as the minerals, the plants, and all of the other animals other than humans. We literally wrote ourselves out of the definition of nature. And when you do that, something interesting happens to the big philosophy of life, which is the, the new emergence of scarcity. If you really understood that you and I came from the soils of the earth and the incredible biophotonic energy that occurs when the sunshine hits the surface of a leaf that is fueled by a diverse and massive microecosystem below it that is pulling the nutrients of Mother Earth into it and then recycling that through to a food system that then hits our microbiome of the gut and then is fed to the mitochondria, the, the microbiome within our cells, 
to release biophotonic energy so that we are literally solar events. We are literally the reverse of, of photosynthesis. Our life is a photo release of solar energy. That's what vitality is. And so we are all these small star-like creatures that release star energy as it's translated from the solar systems to the sun, to the surface of the planet, through the soils, to the plants, to the food, to the animals, to the humans, and we release that light. And so as light beings, biophotonic recyclers, we have incredible capacity to adapt, change, transform, mutate. Whether we be a virus or a human, we should always be a mutation event. We should always be looking for gain of function. When we decide that the very mechanisms of by which the biophotonic energy would get to us, i.e. food, or the viruses that would allow for the adaptation and transmutation to happen within our systems, when we see that as the enemy, or we see that as somehow needing technologic innovation, we really endanger our relationship to the whole matrix and we alienate ourselves from the source of life. A keystone species is any species in an ecosystem whose population and behavior affects every other species. That's certainly what we are as a species right now. In order for us to design an agriculture or a culture that is ecological, then we have to look to our local models, and that's the forest. That is our teacher. Creating a multi-storied ecosystem with mushrooms and berries and fruits and nuts and grazing animals and vegetables all interwoven. This idea of permaculture. We can actually be healing forces. What could it be like if humans can help make this place sing with life? That gets me really fired up because I can just taste the beginning of it. Permaculture is a design process that's applicable in any landscape for any set of objectives. Looking at problems and seeing how they can turn into solutions. Nature's the best thing we got. Like, point to something else that's better. Like, there's nothing else, we don't have anything else. And it hasn't only survived. It's, it's thrived. It's found ways to adapt to, to new conditions. An economy that's aligned with permaculture would be an economy in which the best business decision is the same as the best ecological decision. What this is about is whatever species you're working with, plant or animal, like how does it want to thrive? You know, if you give it the right conditions, it just explodes with health. That's the shift of permaculture from agriculture is how we placed in it rather than imposing on top of it. Agriculture comes from agrarian culture. Agrarian means the soil. Culture means the enrichment of it. 
Agriculture today is the destruction and depletion and extraction of soil. It's closer to mining. Let's now design ecosystems. They're ecologically sound, economically productive, and it's permanent agriculture. We walk away from this place right here, it'll still be producing crops for the next couple thousand years. starts doing good and then impact is a great thing footprint is something we want to leave beyond the mainstream media on the ground on every continent, a quiet revolution is emerging. People are seeking community, collaboration, ways of life that nurture the natural world instead of destroying it. Farmers markets, small business alliances, transition towns, mutual aid networks, community banks, agroecology schools, alternative education, permaculture, eco-villages and more. Collectively, these diverse initiatives demonstrate a new path forward for humanity. It's a path that localizes rather than globalizes, connects rather than separates, and shows us that human beings need not be the problem. We can be the solution. Aurora will end this hour with the song The Seed. Just like the seed, I don't know where to go. Through dirt and shadow I grow. I'm reaching light through the struggle. Just like the seed, I'm chasing Suffocate me So my tears 
eyes can be red I will water the ground where I stand So the flowers can grow back again Cause just like the seed 